everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along to uh, LOI Central on the back of uh, Ireland's victory against Lithuania. Uh, we're going to be talking to Pat Finland and the boy Paul Corey uh, coming into the house today. We are in association with Future Ticketing, the Porterhouse Brew, Collar and Cuff. Call into Decky for uh, a free shirt with your suit and... Um, we also for a wedding, Johnny, for, of course, for a wedding. an event, an occasion. Well, any big, big events, occasions coming up yourself? No, mm, no, no, not even, not even a soccer day at the races or, or something. Yeah, yeah, they definitely could do with a new suit, though. I think, yeah, and um, that's where you'll be heading. I'd say, is it probably, yeah, Leopard Sound or probably Punch Sound or something like that? Yeah, who knows? Anyway, we'll also be giving away the um, four free brews from the Porterhouse to the winner uh, of last week's um, Mystery Voice, which I think a lot of people got the right answer for but we're going to be looking ahead as well to the resumption of the Premier Division and First Division uh, well, Premier Division particularly on the 1st of April which is Friday night good morning Dan good morning Johnny mm. how are you had to change our match report at the death last yeah, night yeah it was uh, it was actually I mean I think obviously if you complain about these things enough there was some punters going down by the press box looking in sort of joking and laughing about they now know to some degree that this mm. is something that happens you know yeah um, but it's still like on balance the, the stress of like rewriting it is still preferable to some kind of state of the nation debate over why you haven't beaten Lithuania you know we'll probably talk to talk to lads about the game a bit you know um, without overdoing it I suppose we had the Belgium game last week we've also had I suppose maybe more relevant to the League of Ireland base we've had a lot of underage international games as well mm. since um, since our last podcast and sort of Mixed fortunes, really. I mean, the twenty ones had that that huge win. Did you um, see it? I saw. I didn't see the first twenty five minutes or so, but I saw everything mm. else. Yeah. Um, Miss Ross Tierney's goal, then, did you? I when I got to, I mean, I got the replay of mm. it. It was excellent. Um, you know, Brian Maher, I suppose, was solid in goals. I mean, they didn't probably play particularly well. It's funny how the results can influence things. I saw Jim Crawford, who of course was in with us a couple of weeks ago. Just actually, sorry for the noise there, just found Ross Tierney's goal, which I haven't seen yet. It's, it's a nice a, finish, yeah. It's always nice to have Johnny just there we go. distracted during I was I was gone all day yesterday and I, I actually forgot about the game and then it was announced beforehand that they'd won. And it, it seemed kind of appropriate then the Troy Parrot who'd been so, so good against uh, Sweden for the 21s in the two games that he played then shown for Ireland but that's a massive win for the 21 yeah no, no, they, 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 I mean Joanne Cantwell asked Crawford like you know is this one of the great performances and you could see him like not wanting to be impolite about the question but they actually I think they can play a lot mm. lot better they were in a they were deep as he said himself they were far too deep and they invited pressure and were blessed to get away I mean there was a blatant penalty um, by Joel Began from Cardiff a blatant penalty um, and they got away with it wasn't awarded and they got the second goal. I mean, the, the, the 19s and the 17s uh, was disappointing from like promising starts for yeah. both of them. Um, you know, the, the 19s lost in England, but were against England but were apparently excellent and refereeing decisions didn't help. 17s, I watched the game against Portugal and they just, um, they had a good spell, but they started too slowly, left themselves in a mountain to climb and then they conceded two goals in injury time, which bizarrely, the 19th then did against Portugal too. They were 1-0 up with 12 minutes to go and lost 4-1. Mm. Mm. Um, and the 17th lost against Finland. So, I mean, that is slightly concerning. I know, like, the one thing you would say is that, like, the 21 suffer because so many eligible players have been bumped up to seniors. Then the 21s have a lot of players who are eligible for under, for younger age groups and 
the fast tracking through sometimes means, particularly maybe even at 19s level, they might have had one or two players available who are, you now as it happens, like like Evan Ferguson missed the 21s trip. Um, but, you know, the 17s is a big one because that's probably the first real generation of players who haven't left. Uh, who haven't left. Like even Heffernan in the side is obviously Inter Milan and uh, sorry, AC Milan and Zeffi. Mm. Um, and you have a, a guy from the dock who's playing in Hungary now. Um, but I mean, it's a decent group. And, and again, it's about development rather than results. And I think probably they'll learn from some of the lessons. I mean, defensively, they actually really seem to struggle with that 17. So, but that's, I mean, it's something that I think there's going to be scrutiny on in the coming years, that underage level. Mm particularly the 17s, because it'll, it'll, it'll ask, answer questions about what we're doing with our 16-year-olds. Totally, totally. Um, so. um, yeah, we can we can have a brief chat about the First Division games at some stage as well. Well, uh, you, you, met at the, you met at the Longford yeah. uh, last week. Oh, Jesus. The pitch again, not good. Like, and uh, I mean, it, it, it looked like a pitch that was kind of bobbly and hard. And uh, to be fair to Longford, they did try and get the ball down a bit. It was a comical, comical. It's oh. mentioned in the main ba- mailbag. I have to say, I actually missed this goal live. It was one of these typical stupid things of just going on your phone briefly because there's nothing happening. video started playing randomly or something uh, on your phone. Yeah. You got distracted by but it. But then I looked over and, what, what, sorry, what's happened here? So Galway United were gifted a 1-0 lead. And, and you were you were co-commentator. Co-commentary for Galway Bay FM. Yeah, so I how did you describe the goal I then? I said I didn't. I missed it. Yeah. It's sort of Chris Kamara style. Yeah. Uh, has, it, has it happened? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was enough. Um, no, but to be fair, like I think Jonathan Higgins would say, well, I mean, there was nothing happening. It was literally a back pass. There wasn't much pressure on the goalie. And then obviously, you know, there we go. Um, but the we game... Probably lost the game anyway. Lost the game. And the game, the Carlisle grounds was like just awful reports of the quality of the football. So it's a bit of a concern because like, you know, there is an, an upswing of interest, but there have been some bad games of late as well. Playing yeah. on bad pitches in the case of Longford. And, you know, there was a small crowd at the game, but you're not going to... I think there were like 20 Ukrainians have been brought in as well. I imagine... Um, they might even have second thoughts about going back because it's just playing on pitches like that isn't great. Yeah. But Longford looked good. I thought, I thought Longford, who beat Wexford 3-0 the previous week, they're, they're making a statement that it mightn't be a three-horse race in terms of the first week. Yeah. I think it will be. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I suppose, there's more Cork fixtures. There's, flying it. there's more fixtures in the first division this year. So, again, you think the more the full-time, the full-time the clubs were, are better yeah. catered for in that scenario. But, um. Yeah, will we, uh, will we go to the mailbag? And sorry, just to mention oh. as well, Watford losing to uh, Treaty, like Watford, who looked really good at the start of season, having a serious wobble now, having been well beaten in Cork, lost to Treaty as well. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I thought they'd be, thought they'd be better, to be honest. Yeah, you know, that that's, I mean, and Cork who building a bit of momentum still with the home crowds mm. and, you know, Colin Healy's back or whatever. Like, you mm. think that there's just they're set up to sort of thrive although I know that they've had a run of home games you would expect them to win as well too you know what I mean um, I might sound like Pat Toll now but I, I actually wouldn't make them favourites to win the league right now yeah no no yeah. I, I can understand that and um, it would be good to have them back it would be good to have all the clubs back to be fair that are, are, are in the race but uh, before the mailbag actually let's go to last week's let's get the let's get the brew handed out we yeah. had last week's mystery voice this was it do you have to let it linger do you have to let it linger? Do you have to? Do you have to let it linger, Johnny? You always have to leave it linger, Johnny. What's the story? I'm not sure there were any incorrect answers this oh, week. Oh, I think there might have been. Was there any? It was, two, it was yeah. the distinct voice of Tommy Barrett, um, who obviously masterminded that treaty win uh, over Watford. The winner was Kieran O'Keefe. Kieran, thanks a million for. Um, 
voting and obviously you'll uh, be the recipient of four lovely brews from the Porterhouse. Very good. I see Donald 21 did get on to us and say, why do you think we will know these voices? League of Ireland players are not interviewed that often. Mm. I mean, it is, it's definitely... There's definitely an argument to be had there, Johnny. But Nobody I mean, said it was going to be easy, though. What's the point? This is like one of your policies. Like this one, of your, or one of these. But you're like know. a cabinet minister. Like this is a policy you've brought through, and like you just have to stick with it. Just kind of barged it through with a lot of nobody really could vote on it. Yeah. Nobody was in the doll on the day or whatever. Speaking, speaking of votes, what's yeah. going to happen? I mean, we are recording now. To be fair, on Wednesday morning, so I think we'll talk about this more next week. Mm. But just briefly I mean let's let's give us your prediction of what might happen later and let's see if that actually comes true yeah. this Galway meeting probably shouldn't predict it in terms of corrupting the process or whatever well I mean but it's I'm... just been shown that <laughs> you're actually you know you have an a la carte approach to sort of democracy when it comes to certain yeah, things yeah that's true uh, I predict that it will carry um, because various reasons the co-op members got a letter from the Comers yesterday which every co-op member was told not to sort of repeat or whatever okay but but more so, signi- so could you, would you yeah so, the, there so just I'll read it out there <laughs> so the um the more significant thing was that um this is quite interesting the co-op basically weren't letting anyone vote unless you actually attended the meeting now with sort of nine days notice or whatever it is for somebody like me that's very very hard yeah I can see that being controversial to be fair so they made a late decision yesterday that you would be able to vote on Zoom Okay, so that's quite significant. So I'll be able to like it would have been very difficult for me to get to go. To yeah, no, I think I think in the in the yeah. in the in the current climate where a lot of people, I presume that you could have cut people COVID or whatever it might Exa- be as well exactly, too. So exactly, yeah, I, I don't think you could probably stand over um, that. Um, but it's it's quite significant. As the Comers set out their message in the in the in the email, and um, you know, there's there's no doubt that the the alternative to the Comer brothers being involved, and there's not not I'm not suggesting that if they didn't own the club, they wouldn't any longer be involved. But I'm not sure a fan-owned club in Galway, I think it would run into a lot of problems. I don't, yeah, I don't think yeah. that, like, the co-op has a small number of members, and that's telling in itself. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, we, we, I know, I mean, I think there's a good chance our regular listeners will know that you might just drop Galway United into discussion on, you know, on a regular enough basis. Mm. So I think we might come back to this, do you reckon? Mm. We will come Certainly back to it. next week, anyway. Um, Donald21, I hope you recognise this mystery voice. This is this week's voice sourced by the great... the. The voice whisperer, Johnny Ward. You are my fire, my one desire. Yeah, that was uh, this week's mystery voice. Um, get your votes in on Instagram or Twitter. Some people like to give the old DM on Instagram. It's kind of like, I think it's a bit like going to the bookies where, you know, they used to black out the windows. You, the, you know, I don't want to be seen in the bookies. So some it's people are some people are they're DMing us on Instagram because I don't think they want to be seen to be voting for something. I don't think there's a, I don't think they're DMing us on Instagram. I think it's oh, just they are, yeah. you know, if you put up the questions thing, um that's where they go into the answers. They're not actually saying okay. Us a DM. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. People yes. aren't actually that, you know, you're not technically <laughs> an enter by DM, but we put up a thing on Instagram that you enter through. And you that. should be delighted to win four cans of you craft be. as well, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, any pints drink, yourself drink lately? responsibly. Well, on I hadn't for uh, quite some time, and then on Saturday evening there was a bit of a football writers' function after oh, the Belgium yeah. game, um, and Pat Fenden, who will be joining us shortly, he was there. Um, He's not a uh, soccer writer. Well, there was it's, see, it's a 
it was like a rescheduled Christmas drink. So it's generally okay. football writers and then various luminaries of the football world. So was Pat, there an email Pat about it? Was there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I completely. I, I don't, like these. I messaged you. Yeah, you to did, see where you're going, and you saw it the following morning. So what happened there was I was on the radio to watch the to do the Ireland to do my three to five slot yeah. on the radio. Couldn't really get it off to go uh, to the match. Our, our three to five slot. Yeah. Our three to five five slot, and then I was booked in for dinner like ages in advance at a restaurant that's hard to get bookings in at six o'clock where was that Bastable oh, yeah. so I didn't know it clashed so I just said I'm going to turn off my phone and watch the game when I come home as if as live so that's so ah, so okay. I, I just basically blanked yeah well anyway Pat Fennin was yeah. there Matt Holland was there oh yeah a variety of FAI luminaries dropped in at a later date a later point of the evening um, Paddy Mulligan was there oh yeah the great Paddy yeah. Mulligan yeah. Um, and a few other people from the football world so generally you would extend the invitation any scandal um, um, not, not that I'd repeat here, yeah. but it's not like the Comer letter. There's no like, there's no sort of uh, Chatham House rules or whatever. Um, no, there was no scandal. It's just no. a load of people, mainly men, talking about football and getting yeah. older. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's mainly mainly the thrust of it. But um, yeah. the mailbag. Let's go to the hey, mailbag. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. We don't have as much this week because there was no uh, Premier Division football. I see, I see a lot of fo- First Division fraternity, Johnny. Like the off the ball, bring in their late night League of Ireland show. They they bring in extra coverage for the league, and then when there's an international break, they decide because there's only First Division games not to do it. I can probably understand that because it's pretty a big commitment to do it every Friday night, like forty and you know forty Friday nights in a row. I had texts from people in relatively high places actually saying, "Why, why isn't this on?" And funny enough, I don't think the hits were that great last night after the Ireland game in relative terms. Yeah, well, I know that, that's so inter- it's funny. Yeah, that anyway. is interesting, but um, I, I mean, I, really, I, I you, you make... bring in something, and what do you get? You get grief. You know, uh, I yeah. think it's, it's perfectly. No, reasonable. no, I, I, I kind of, I didn't disagree with the fact that we had a night off, partly because I wanted the night off. But um, I think if if you had people at the Carlisle grounds or Galway night fans on, there would have been a awful lot of moaning maybe people want that on a Friday night I don't know yeah and maybe that's it I mean, they wanted to get it out of their system um, but let me see what have we got going on here um, yeah, Bohemian Villain centres yesterday James Talbot's first cap clean sheet against Lithuania as a possible talking point I mean it just didn't happen from, mm. not surprising though I don't you know Kenny wouldn't be doing mad amount of experimentation and friendlies going forward he wanted Keller to play Um Brian Martin, as Talbot got called up to the Ireland squad, which outfield player should be called up next? <sighs> like obviously there was there was uh, there was chat about in terms of like a first cap or call up from the League of Ireland. No, outfield League of Ireland player. Like, well, I mean, yeah, Jack could obviously. Be I think Jack is the one, like, isn't it? Like, I um, think. Um, I think Danny Mandroyo could have been if he'd had a better start to the season. Um, he hasn't had a great start to the season. Um, I, I think the most. It's hard to see it being anyone but the players who've who've already been capped. You know, Byrne, yeah, Andrew, Graham Burke. You know, I think it's hard to see where the next one comes from. You know. Like you know, Michael Duffy's McGinty, injured. sorry, Michael Duffy's McGinty, injured. McGinty, well, outfield player, but sorry, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Kenny was asked about McGinty. And he didn't necessarily, um, didn't necessarily sort of embrace the question in a way. Like, what, what's again. the story with that? Because um, I, I think most people in the League of Ireland would have him down as the best keeper in the League of Ireland. Um, yeah, but I think they just listen. Talbot had been in there before. They, yeah. they rate him. They they sort of McGinty's been with the twenty ones though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but like, he didn't didn't even play for the twenty ones, really, did he? He played a base. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw him in a couple of games for He's, Kenny though. No, it was after Kenny, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe they're in lies. I just, I, I just don't. I, I think that they really rate Talbot, and I know mm. he, he hasn't been playing at his levels, but they, 
I think the goalkeeping staff in there like him. I think they hold him in high esteem. I think he can, you know, go to another level. I think that's just their opinion. They could be wrong. It's a it's a matter of opinions, but I, I think that's why Talbot's in. Um, but again, I think whoever was coming in was not coming in to play at all. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I but think it's it great all, to get the experience. It was always going to be Kelleher. Um, we had a question about Danny Mandry's perform since Jack Byrne returned to Rovers this season. Are the two related? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not so sure about that really. Um, they're probably they're probably not unrelated. In fairness, I mean, Danny Mandroya was down as being Jack Burns' replacement. He wasn't his replacement, but at the same time, um, Jack is a massive, uh, you know, part of the Rovers' like system in in getting on the ball, and you know that makes less room for someone else. But I think Danny's Mandroya's kind of body language hasn't necessarily been great at times either and that's yeah it really might be nothing. his own issue rather yeah, than like, so, you know, th- yeah. that would have been a concern about him in, in some respects you know prior to joining Rovers and he's had to deal with a lot of slagging from um, you know Bo's fans that he's that's probably at times he may have dealt with better but he just has to grow up and get on with it because there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of challenges for positions at Rovers yeah. so he just has to Dylan Watts um, you know is an exceptionally good player, but like again, not really guaranteed his place at the moment, and you just have to get on with it. Yeah, I think we'll talk to Pat and Paul a bit about Rovers. Um, Quaylon McLaughlin, Cameron Dummigan, most underrated player in the league by a mile. When was the last time a Derry player got the player of the month award? I'm not sure mm. on the second question. Um, second part of the question. I think Cameron Dummigan's a very good footballer. Yeah, and he I did think a bit of everything, can't he? He's, he's kind of been um, catapulted into a role now that uh, he actually seems to be doing very well in because of the the Kieran Harkin injury and Dummigan now seems to be sort of a hole in midfielder um, which probably suits him and Derry I think it's a, it's a real testament to Derry that they've had a catastrophic run with injuries yes they're top of the table I think that's very yeah, very encouraging yeah. and a massive game Friday against Bowes Bowes then we've got Connor De Root Connor Ruth I mean I don't know like my Irish pronunciation is sometimes dreadful mm. not sure anybody that was in the Carlisle grounds came away from that game with any thoughts insight if I'm honest an utterly dreadful game of ball with very little football played constant long balls from both sides would love to see Huey Douglas aerial duel record and Andy Foley from Finn Harps came in and re- responded 18 duels 14-1 it's just great to see our listeners answer their own yeah, questions but, but it's a fair point because the Carlisle grounds is, um, is, is a ground that you know, you'd struggle to bring anyone to because the facilities are miles off where they should be. And then if you go and watch a terrible, terrible game of football, with I imagine a lot of the fans not particularly happy with the merger, I presume, uh, it's not. It's a negative night and you're not going to come back. And I think it is beholden on managers as well to get the, the ball down a bit, albeit um, if you're in in, yeah. in in Longford on on Friday, you mightn't have been very happy. Paul Hogan, was the Longford own goal on Friday night the worst Johnny has seen live? I, mean, I, didn't, I, see I didn't even see it. I didn't see it. But, but is on, there any you've any seen? On the highlights, it's up there with Donald Brown anyway. Oh Definitely. yeah, Definitely. Were, you, were you at the Donald Brown game? No, no. Was no. that was it in the cup? That that or I can't even remember. To yeah, be honest, it's probably like what people who haven't seen this, I'm sure you can look it up. Twenty three years ago, or Donald Brown. We scored once, scored an amazing goal for Dundalk, which you might might find on YouTube as well. Mm. I was I remember being at that game and and the ball sort of travelled through the air some distance. But um, I feel like the, the standard of smashing goal is better these days. Um, there's one or two questions for Pat there. We might turn to him when he comes in. Richie Tolan, finally, our last question. Do you guys think, in hindsight, COVID has been brilliant for the league? Crowds have been excellent. I mean, you have to be careful how you phrase that, I suppose. It's a dairy fan. Crowds have been excellent, and it seems live football isn't taken for granted anymore. I mean, it's an interesting one. I remember, like, last year, in the midst of the maybe the closed doors era, or the beginning of the closed doors era, um, sorry, not the beginning of the closed doors, the beginning of the restricted attendances, when, like, 500 fans were allowed in. 
Um, I definitely remember speaking to the chairman at a club who said, who predicted basically that there was going to be a boom this mm. year. There mm. was like, there was actually in 2022, I think there's going to be, it's going to be a real sort of bonanza. And that has proved to be the case. Um, but it's the, it's the recurring recurring point that we have here. You have to keep them. And uh, I actually think the international break is a good thing because like some teams at seven games in a month for people that's like seven trips to a match i know some people would have gone to the ireland games and stuff too mm. but it's like seven trips or even like whatever four home games a couple on a monday you know it drains people like you know i've been sort of going down a particular you know cash is tight like you know it's hard times for some people at the moment so like you know it's asking a lot of people you know, it's not still, you know, the ticket prices in the league aren't necessarily cheap sometimes, you Neither know. Neither is fuel if you're going in a way. No, so, so like, I think a bit of a break and, and hopefully this Friday then there'll be a little bit of, mm. okay, haven't gone in a couple of weeks, let's go again. And, and I think the spacing out of the fixtures can help to prolong it. But pri- primarily, you know, teams need to remain competitive and also the match night experience needs to be good. And we've talked about this before. In, um, in in previous weeks yeah, I mean obviously I know I, Connor Hoy responding to uh, the references to Connor last week I actually feel like I should clarify I wasn't saying Connor should be shouldn't be on social media of course it's None good to have should. people it's good to, no I think I think it's good to have officials on social media commenting it's maybe just like you know, I think Connor clarified. Yeah, responding uh, as though uh, you were a fan on social media br- would be the slight issue. Br- briefly on that question, I think the the payments that the clubs got last season put them in a lot of them in a very good position. Like I'd say, the, finan- the financials in the League of Ireland are healthier than they normally are right now, um, and some clubs are in a good state. But I would be worried. Like the last two games I've gone to were poor spectacles with no atmosphere. Um, and that was shells and harps. Shells and harps. Galway. Galway Longford. Poor game and um, played in a bad pitch. But like the Carlisle Grounds game as well, people, people, you, you, you can't. Yeah, that sure. catches up you over it time. Catch the up product is the so, listen. The product is the bottom line. It, it, like, you to know. me, it is the bottom line. I know facilities are and and the the atmosphere I think is important as well. But like the the shells game, I thought there was a, a notable drop from the we'll say the Pats game start season. There, were, there weren't that many away fans at it. Shells now have to maintain crowds. Like and Damien Duff isn't going to maintain crowds. No, no, no. Like definitely not. Like they have to start delivering at home, and that's that's no doubt. No doubt uh, an issue that they're very much aware of themselves and it'll be interesting to see how they come out of the break. But let's bring in Paul and Pat. Yeah, welcome to the lads. Uh, just explained to Pat Finn there, or Dan was, that I, I missed the goal on, on Saturday or on Friday night. And uh, Pat's reply was the goal he missed it as well, apparently. <laughs> now, in fairness to Dennison, it wasn't really his fault. But this was the context of this, Dan, is, you know, these like idiots that come on the pitch like that streaker last night and made a show. It wasn't a, uh, everyone calls him a streaker. He, so he, he had his clothes on. What, what do you call him? A, a pitch invader. A, an idiot. Anyway, yeah. in a rugby, in a rugby jersey. jersey yeah. in a rugby, took, Probably yeah, one of your mates, actually. Is he? He's someone who's gone um, to games, whatever you're here. If that's bad. What about like you know just leaving the ground early for no reason? You see these people, right? Because you're working in the press box and it's late, and then you become aware of this like the people sort of tricking down the steps, and you're thinking, why? You paid money to go to this game. Well, is life is life, you know, is life so pressurized that like the thought of a traffic jam terrorize you that much? Welcome along, Paul. Paul Paul (laughs) (laughs) Missed the goal. I did indeed. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was out probably ninety first minute. So you missed seven, you missed three, you missed three chances. Time, like. You missed so you missed Parrot's shot that was saved. You had the Matt Doherty mm. volley. Uh, the Scott Hogan offside goal yeah, was that was an injury well, time as well. Like, why, Paul? You missed why? The, more things happened in those seven <laughs> minutes in the previous ninety. I had a long day. I was in work. I was over in the office in Leopardstown. Then I was in RTE, and then I was in uh, the Aviva. And like I had to, hit so the road. to go home to bed. <laughs> Pretty much. So you went home to watch the highlights of the injury time. You know, I, I, I genuinely I was I was close to nipping out earlier than that 
Yeah. Uh, so were most of us. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was dire. It, it, was, it was poor, wasn't it? I mean, it's funny how a late goal can, you know, like this morning, I know from my own perspective, like, you know, papers is all parrot because it's an amazing goal. And you want to talk about a young 20-year-old scoring an amazing goal in the Aviva. It's a great moment. But it's mad, isn't it, that can cloud the analysis almost too much that it actually was, it was poor, you know? Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was, you know, particularly, uh, listen, when you play an opposition like that and, you know, they can drag you down a bit and they can slow the game down. But I thought the way we moved the ball was, was too pedestrian. And we didn't move the opposition enough in order to create the the gaps in between, say, their, their midfield and their back four. And I just how we looked inept of ideas when we got into that final third in particular. And I don't know, I, I probably didn't want him to make as many changes as he did. Mm. Uh, I can understand the reasoning behind it and keeping people involved in the squad and keeping people happy. But I thought there was an opportunity there maybe to not make as many changes win the game in the first half and then introduce people in yeah uh just take for example i don't want to kind of name check one person but alan brown in a game like that for me doesn't do anything mm. um he's far more effective i think when you've got space to run into and uh you know space to run in behind oppositions and break late into the box when you have so much possession like that of the ball that's not alan brown's game it's not it's not cutting through people it's not um opening teams up and i just thought that sort of a selection didn't really make sense for me. Um, is that, that kind of the point, though, that nights like that expose, well, we're not going to play Alan Brown in games like that again because it's a friendly. Well, he's used Brown previously as more of a number 10 mm. sort of and option. Coming on to ball. Coming on to the ball. Poor. In fairness, he, but he did come on in one of those roles on Saturday mm. to replace him. But against, that's against Belgium. No, I take you're, point, yeah. It's mm. like Ogbeni against a team that parks the bus. Is, he's not an Ogbeni against a team that's given him a bit of space. Mm. But I don't know, Pat, what did you make of it? I, I, I thought it was a, it was a poor performance. I'd probably disagree with Paul to a point that I'd, I'd have made changes because I think when you've got Same a group, as, yeah. when you've got a group like that, you need to keep people really motivated and mm. interested. And I, I, I get Paul's point on as well: win the game and make maybe make the changes. Then I think there's a couple of things too. I think we've all been with Paul being involved in games where you're playing against teams who are a lesser quality because there's no they they were a poor poor side. Mm. Although they defended really well, manfully, really defended a box really well off crosses and corners, but but. When you play like that, I think as a manager, you, the emphasis is, is make sure you move the ball because you tend to have, you indulge a little bit more. Mm. You have an extra touch. You seen the one with Matt Doherty probably summed up where mm. he cut in great feet, brilliant. And then he scored it over the bar instead of just crossing mm. it and, and setting someone up. So you'd see that develop early in the game and you see players having extra touches, misplaced passes, taking risks they wouldn't have taken against Belgium on Saturday. So they're the things you've got to work on. But I think the bigger picture for me, and I've said this for a period of time, when we come up against that opposition, mm. we don't have the quality to break them down. We don't. Time and, and time again. And, and the problem, and I know even on Saturday, Cullen and Hendrick are decent players, but we still, for me, there's two areas, well, probably three areas of the team where I think there's there's room for improvement. I think without being critical of Seamus Coleman, I think he's been brilliant, but I think it's coming to a time where mm. we're going to have to look at Darrow O'Shea or Oma Bamadelli in that position because I think they're the yeah. future. That centre midfield role for me is really crucial. I like Cullen. He's a tidy player. He's not going to hurt you too much. Hendrik has been he's been better since you know the last three or four internationals, but we're still crying out for that player who's going to feed players. The, the, what we have at the top end of the pitch now is we have a little bit of pace. We have a system that works with Robinson and, and uh, Ogbenye. I still think that striker position, that main number nine, is the other area. So there's three areas for me in the team. 
and we need to we need to find a different when we come up against the Lithuanians or teams that we would hope say the nation leagues games Scotland if it is the Ukraine how do we find a way to beat them they're, pro- they're better than Lithuania obviously so they'll come and probably have a bit more of a go but I think that's where we've really fallen down over the last few campaigns we were out of the last camp- campaign early on because we weren't able to put the teams to bed at, yeah. at the Aviva that yeah. we should be and that's the bit extra now that I think Stephen's got to find how we find that formula against that type of team I was surprised I thought uh, Conor Ronan might have got a bit of a run last night because mm. he may be a somebody mm. but again I think to play Conor you've got to change your system a little bit more because mm. he's more of a he's just in the squad in behind or coming coming off the line so and I think that's one of the problems it's not a major it, it, it is a problem at home I think against the better sides the game is much more open and it probably suits us with the pace what Paul is saying though about like I would agree with you Pat I think like we learned a bit about Troy Parrott and mm. Ryan, Ryan Manning for example last night and Troy was able to unlock he, he, like Roy, Troy had the quality to get two chances so somebody was there that had the quality to break down Lithuania and it happened to be Troy Parrott I think the, I think the, the, the big plus our last night was Troy Parrott came into the international team a while ago and the pressure that was heaped on him was phenomenal for mm. a young boy and it and, and had obviously had an effect on the kid because he struggled. He found a little bit of form. He's gradually getting back to where I've seen him as a kid. He's a really, really good player, Troy Parrott. But he's, he's still, for me, I'm not sure where he is. I'm not yeah, sure whether he's yeah. an out-and-out nine. Yeah. He can play off the line. He can play in behind. He can play off a bigger striker. So he, he's, But I think the big plus out of that, he will get a massive lift out last night. And I think that's the big thing to take away from mm. the game. Hopefully that gives him the lift to kick on and, and be the player his ability shows he can mm. be. But he still has plenty of work to do. Because mm. I think that is the point. I think, you know, you mentioned, Pat, like Luxembourg, Azerbaijan have come to Dublin. Okay, there was crowd at one game, there wasn't another, you know. But there were similarities in the games. And then you have the, the game last night. If Ireland yeah. are going to qualify for the Euros, they need to beat the teams below them home and away. I think there's no doubt Absolutely. about that. And if you're a team playing Ireland now as a coach, like Lithuania had lost all their away games in 2021. They conceded three or four goals. You can see maybe from their perspective, it was, wasn't great to watch time-wasting in the fifth minute and all, but like they're probably trying to build some kind of make us hard to beat. But if you're watching Ireland, you're going to set up that way against them, aren't you, in Dublin? You're going to say, let's. if you're a limited side, you're going to say... Right. I, what I think got, the, one, you know? the one thing to add to that is they are they're going to come in and, and make it very difficult for us the, the, probably the difference from going back to the game you were talking about is where we didn't really have a goal threat I think we've got that goal threat it's, it's mm. how we utilise that now in these games how we get Ogbenye freed up Robinson freed up that can score goals we know they can score goals they've done that over over the last uh, numerous internationals so it's just that central midfield area for me when you play against teams like that you need someone in there that can open the door when it's packed defence like it was, you see last night, they played 4-4-2 in fairness, but they dropped mm. off into a six nearly at the back. The two wide players nearly yeah, ended up as yeah. fullbacks and their fullback came in narrow. So it was very difficult to break them down. And that's the bit where you can't indulge because that's where you give them time to get back in when you have extra touches. So listen, we're, we're way ahead where we were a few years ago. And I think that's important as well that there, there's, there's a lot of positivity in that. It's now finding a little, little form, like you say, to beat the teams that have caused those issues in the last couple of campaigns. I think, I think Paul, I mean, it's a, we're in a League of Ireland pod here and Pat's talking about that type of player we need. I think you would agree we probably need that type of player. Like, is, is last night the type of game you actually could have Jack Byrne around the squad and put him in? You know, th- th- this is just like, it's a, it's a discussion point because you're thinking Conor Ronan, right? he's a player, but I'm trying to think, who are these other creative midfielders we have that can do that, that are out there? I'm struggling to think of like, 
the natural candidates. Jamie McGrath can probably, you know, on his day can... can He's not can, that can type of player, though. Well, he, you know, he, like he has the capability mm. to pick a pass, but like, who is the player? Well, I think there's a difference on this as well. And if for looking that type of player, you're going to have to change your system maybe a little bit. And yeah. That's something we might have to look at in some of these games against these teams. The way we're set up at the moment, because we have that pace at the top end of the pitch, and I think we've changed from trying to overplay to mixing the game up really well. And we've exploited that against the better sides with Ogbenia and Robertson. Robertson's a very clever player and he frees up space in behind at times. So there might be a little change of how we play against certain teams at the Aviva mm. to try get one of them type of players into the team. Yeah, like so Paul, like, w- <laughs> could Jack have come in for 15 minutes last night? A fully fit now, Jack at sort of 2020 levels, Jack, if you know what I mean. I think he's probably still getting there, to be fair. Yeah, potentially. I think before you start looking at the personnel and, and talking about the way we play, like there is an onus on the 11 that are out there that you don't get frustrated and you don't get caught up with the oohs and ahs of, of the fans and, and growingly frustrated. When you play teams like Lithuania, you're talking about Troy Parr coming on and creating loads of chances. There's a reason behind that. Like Lithuania start to tire. They've had so little of the ball for the first 60 70 minutes just keep the ball moving and what pat is alluding to there is keep it moving with a bit of pace don't be indulging and in taking two three four touches and actually open up the opposition and just you know stick to your principles stick to to i guess the the tactics behind it all and know that eventually chances are going to come then when you start to look at, at players and people that could maybe fit into that position, you know, a box is, is potentially something that you could look at mm. uh, where you have maybe two holding midfielders and maybe so two... it's a rover system, basically. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because w- when you're playing opposition like that, like Matt Doherty should almost be like a right winger and Ryan Manning should be like a left winger because there's no reason for them to be, to be sitting deep. And then what you can do is you can create overloads in the final third. Then if you're going to play that box meal box midfield then you can look at the likes of a Jamie McGrath Connor Ronan a Jack Byrne the problem that we have is the number 10s that we have at our disposal aren't exactly playing at the highest level or even you know maybe in the championship we can yeah. out in those creative positions a lot of our players tend to be um, you know the ones that are covering the ground and we, we certainly lack in, in that department but if you are talking about people who are creative the likes of a Troy can definitely come into that position where does Troy where do, I know you, you, you would have followed Troy's career too like where, where does where does Troy play yeah it's hard to know it, it seems uh it's a difficult one I would imagine in behind a, a front man for, for this moment in time or even coming off a wing I don't think he's big enough or physical enough to lead a line Mm. that's that's my own personal opinion I don't think he's quick enough I think at times it looks as if he's trying to eat up the ground but physically he hasn't maybe developed into that into that number nine um, he's busy and behind the front man I think the more you can get him on the ball the more he'll create the more he'll he'll open up opposition and what you've seen last night is that he's got a bit of an X factor where a lot of players might not have taken on that shot last night. Troy has the technique and the control as well. Like. Yeah, like he I mean it was such a it was such a, a, a you know a flush strike of the ball mm. Um that is, is you enjoy watching it later on you got home yeah <laughs> on YouTube yeah <laughs> but I, I think for me that's that's probably where he's he's best off is maybe just deployed in behind the front man I thought last night he was drifting out wide quite a lot I understand to get the ball but I think you got to keep him central you got to keep him in behind the front man and he can link up and, just, and just I think Troy's in danger of becoming I think well, not in danger maybe I think he's in danger of becoming yeah. Ireland's number 12 I think yeah, he's going to yeah, be yeah. I think Stephen likes to turn to him off the bench and I feel like he's going to be that yeah. option he, th- he thinks he can he can produce a moment I don't mm. know if I see him starting games mm. in the short term I could be completely wrong with that you know? I, I think in, in, the, in the system that Stephen plays if you look at the system that he plays and that's where I think the, the, the Keane one last night was interesting because Keane is more of a a centre forward yeah. a nine cool, a cent- like. but I think what Stephen likes and what Robinson does well when he plays as the nine he drifts around the pitch mm. and he leaves space 
and he tries to drag defenders in. Like the Qatar, the Qatar yeah, game. And, he, and days, even yeah. the game on, on Saturday against against playing off that other side, he, he does that. He's a very clever footballer and he leaves space in behind. So Troy might actually fit into the system the way Stephen is at the moment as that nine because mm. he is capable of drifting into areas and he's a clever footballer as well. So I'm not sure we need a, 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 a the way Stephen wants to play the game as an out, as an out and out nine. I think he wants that three to be fairly flexible. We've seen it before, even even in fairness to Keenley, he ended up on the right or on the left a couple of times last night as well and changed with Benye and Robinson as well. So it may suit the way part of players. I'm not sure he's at that level yet as, mm. as, as a young player. So I think I think the best nine or the best centre of that tree is probably Robinson, but it's then finding who plays on the other side with him. So I'd say that's where the balance is. That's where McGrath did well when he came in, I thought, at times. Mm. You know, so it, it's just trying to find that balance with the team. Or if you change your shape like we're talking about yeah. and you want to play a 10, then it becomes a different nine. So, but I think the way Stephen plays at the moment, he wants that tree to be fairly fluid and, and, and mix up where they play because it leaves space. Robinson leaves space. I think the, the, over the last period of games, that, that link between him and Agbenya has been really, really good. Where mm. he comes in, he shifts defenders and he leaves space in behind and he drags defenders all over the place. And Agbenya it makes makes the most of that because he doesn't play as a wide player really neither. No, he, no. You know, it, although he, he puts some good crosses into the box as we've seen at the weekend, but he comes in and drifts into areas as well where he wants to use his pace and what he has is getting behind behind teams. So, um, but it's not it's not a bad complaint because it wasn't too long ago we were looking for forwards. Yeah, we've had a lot of games yeah. now where strikers have scored, and this mm. didn't happen for Ireland. I mean, like if you look at McGoldrick's era, he didn't really score, and he was probably our best player a lot of the time. So we actually have we've got Ben A. Robinson and now Parrot scoring goals. And, well, well, that's you know, what I said, John. We are a goal threat. Yeah, that's the big plus which, for me yeah. with, with breaking down these smaller teams as such. We do have a goal threat now to be able to pick them with, off. With, like, did you see Troy underage? Like, because mm. Paul's alluding to it there, and I think this is a, true for a lot of players. The pace angle, kind of, you, you're just not as quick relative to other players as you were, and you have to compensate then. And you can tell Troy's not electric fast, so he has he the skills. And to me, he looks like a like he looks a bit of a uh, you know he has that X-rated kind of quality at times. But does he have the skills to compensate for the fact that physically X factor rather than X-rated? X-rated, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Troy Paris, he's X-rated. How much did you enjoy that goal last yeah. night, Johnny? Well, at least I was there live and watched it. Uh, I, I actually, it's funny though, coming home and watching the replay. I didn't appreciate at the game how good a goal it was, but. Does he have the quality to be a Premier League player, we'll say, or a top-level player to compensate for the I, fact that... I'm not sure he's, he's going to be a top, top Premier okay. League player. Um, he's got real ability, mm. Troy, as I said. I've seen him as a young... And he's real ability out of Graves. He's not, he's not lightning quick. He's a clever footballer. He's got real confidence in his own ability, which is a major plus as well. I think he's now say the pennies drop, but I think even listening to him, he's starting to believe now that he's got a walk harder at his yeah. game. He's that got, does seem to be tallying with yeah, stories you're hearing. And we've yeah. seen that before with players and Paul's played with them with real attributes, real, and you're thinking, come on, there's more in you. You know, we've seen it in flashes, probably what we've seen with Troy. And now hopefully someone's got to him and say, listen, with that, you've got to walk really hard because that's what the best players do. And that's how you get the best out of your talent. And I think I'm hoping, listening to him over the last couple of interviews, I've heard him, he seems to be realising that, that the penny's dropped a little bit to say, what I have is not just going to get me where I want to be. I've got to work really hard at it. And hopefully that's, and that's why I think last night, you, when, when you're working hard like that and things don't change for you, you think, mm. you know, I'm doing all this working. Mm. But now you're saying, I've done all that work. And I think reading Stephen this morning saying that he, he was close to picking him, but he left him out. Mm. And that was probably another 
challenge to him to say, well, how are you going to react to that? And he reacted in the right, right way because he came on and did really well for us. So has the ability... Whether he's going to play a top top level, I'm not sure. Just to stay with you briefly on this, like we've never we've never had another Roy Keane, and you alluded to it there. Like there is a bit of a dearth of these proper, like all round quality midfielders. Like you played in that position yourself. We just don't seem to have a lot of them. Whereas obviously centre back, we've an abundance of options. Yeah, well, I think that goes back to to the bigger question about how we're how we're developing our players. Mm. You know. The easiest part of the game without being critical of defenders is to defend, isn't it? You know, <laughs> no, no, it's true though. And yeah. we have two ab- ball playing midfielders yeah. here. We, yeah, well, we have an abundance yeah. of really good defenders. We're talking about so you're 21s last we're talking time, about, yeah, yeah, and we're talking about Seamus saying, Well, listen, but we still, you wouldn't, you, you, you'd be, you found with Bam Adeli, who looks like he's going to be a really good player as well. You've uh, young O'Shea come back into the team last night, which is brilliant as well to see. So we're covering there, Nathan wing Collins, backs were not bad, yeah. Nathan Collins, and so. We we have plenty of them. It's that it's that area where you have a real talent and you try to encourage him rather than overcoach him and 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 get that real talent and let him develop. And Troy Parrott is probably has that talent. Is he not as a midfielder, but he has that talent. So it's let it's letting it, but it's giving him the proper guidance as well. But we are short in that area. There's no doubt. Since probably Wesley's gone out of team, we we missed that. That and that's why Stephen's not playing that way. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. It's not a coincidence that he's trying to find what we can utilize in our best players. No, there is the no. square pin in yeah, around but we have to like... find something a little bit different in relation Could to maybe Connor commentary other... or. I'm not sure Connor is that type of player neither. Mm. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure we have one at the moment. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure there's one around. So, like I said, I'm sure you know Stephen is looking at a lot. I, I'd agree with Paul to a point. I think if we'd have played with a tempo, we'd have won the game easy. Mm. I think the tempo was the problem last year. But that night. came from the midfield area, didn't it? Where it's too slow. I think it like, came from everybody. Yeah. I think it just came from everybody. I think, you know, like I said, you, you tend to indulge a little bit and have extra touches rather than whether that's a centre half, getting her into midfield quicker, stepping into the play quicker. I think it just it was just spread through the team. It mm. wasn't just isolating certain players. I think it spread through the team and we just didn't mute the ball. Well, he, he asked, he asked, Paul, do you mm. see like Danny Mandroyo or Jack Byrne potentially being involved in the squad at some no, stage no no okay. I, I, I don't think both either of them players at the moment will make a difference to what Stephen has in the squad no okay. yeah I think I think if Jack got back to his 2020 like really good did well in Europe this summer mm. he could potentially come back into squads later in the year I think that's you know okay. that, that that's I couldn't see it happening well if it Jack would have done well last night well I know I'm no, just saying I, 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 really but I think, I think to be fair I think that's I think Jack would need to get back to like mm. you know really affecting a European campaign I yeah. think maybe then Stephen would would have a look at him but I, I think, think Dan it's, as well it, but it's, it, I mean, it, to be fair like there's actually quite a lot of midfield players like you know mm. Mark Sykes has come into mm. the squad mm. not played uh, like McGrath has to come back in you know there's one or two others sort of missing in this in this camp it's a totally different type of player with someone like Callum O'Dedo who Kenny likes mm. but a different again different type of player so there's a lot of traffic in those positions as you said it's like we actually don't or we were talking to someone last week you're saying what's the one injury that would impact the Irish team the most at the moment Paul and it's a sort of an interesting one like who who's irreplaceable and, and it was put to me maybe Josh Cullen actually is there anyone to do Josh Cullen's job if he can't play you know and that probably brings home the point that it's in that area in front of the back three we actually that's a concern I think you know that department yeah yeah absolutely I mean we've we've never been blessed with kind of the, that ball playing midfielder that yes we can move it side to side but somebody who's actually going to penetrate through an opposition and, and create those spaces and get people into holes or into gaps I think you know, Callum Robinson is somebody who's becoming vitally important to, to how we play as well. I think Pat mentioned it there. 
he's he's probably stepped it up a notch from when Ida has actually dropped out and Robinson has come mm. in and probably gives us a bit more because what you don't want to become is predictable in the way you play and Robinson is very comfortable yes at taking into feet but he's also capable of spinning in behind and what that does is it then opens up spaces for people to drop in or maybe somebody from from uh, one of the wide areas to, to come into that gap just in front of Robinson so he's somebody very important but listen when I was growing up I never really thought that ball playing midfielders were were something that we um we we you know thoroughly appreciate or something that we really look to actually um you know mold into something or mm. you know it, it just wasn't a style of play that I ever saw in in schoolboy football it was more about kind of you know blood and guts and, and why, why is that Paul actually because if you go back to the Jack Charlton era and all the way to now with a couple of exceptions the Irish national team has been like that but did that seep into like the, the game itself at your level of growing up yeah I, I never really fully thought there was much of an understanding of how to play how to play out from the back and not just like playing out from the back for the sake of it but actually playing out to then create opportunities or create space or you know playing out to suck teams up the pitch to then turn them in behind I never thought there was an appreciation for that well, just, like if you look at Steve McPhail and Owen Garvin for example I'd say like gifted footballers in their own way but it, it didn't really happen for them in terms of Ireland or in terms of maybe they weren't good enough but I'm not sure they weren't and it was like well this lovely left footed player that can dominate the game in fairness to Steve McPhail a fantastic yeah. player and he's probably a little bit unlucky, but I don't think we played that type of system to suit them players. Mm. I think one of the issues around that's kind of sad, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think one of the issues around the schoolboy development then was is, is that emphasis on winning and and that that bit yeah. of oh get it get it forward, you know, rather, rather than take mm. that little bit of a gamble. And it was a couple of times last. It was great to see we played our way out with a goalkeeper. Keller's feet are brilliant. In he terms is, of yeah, passing his yeah. different class. So it, it's it's been brave. And mm. that, in fairness, that's the plus that Stevens got to take from me. He's been really brave with his team selection, how he wants to play. And I'm not, I'm not being critical. I just think we, we find, I think it's a real valid point that Paul made as well. In that game last night, the way Stephen played, the wing backs become hugely important to mm. us. And if they don't get into them positions really high and wide, mm. you know, it, it, it allows, like I said, to be able to, to condense the pitch and make it very compact. Listen, we're nitpicking a little bit, you know, it's, the, the improvement's been really, really good. But we go back to, to when we get to the campaign, when we have, because I think our, our, the, the next campaign, the, the home games are, are early. So it's such important to get points on the board against the teams you expect mm. to beat. La- lastly, and this for me, um, Paul, I just, from a, from a midfielder's perspective, I didn't think the movement was great for the midfielders, mm. particularly in the first half. I didn't think there were obvious pass for them to play. And that maybe is why it became a bit pedestrian because like they were going to the fullbacks, but like Keane just wasn't really an option and he couldn't control it when the ball went to him. Yeah, like... You start with the fullbacks. Fullbacks go high and wide, but for me, like the sentiment fielders were almost dropping in front of the centre halves. Mm, mm. You know, the sentiment fielders need to be five, ten okay, yards further okay. up the pitch. So then, you know, I mean, I could play a pass five yards from from uh, from John Egan's even now? and yeah, even now with no pressure <laughs> on the ball. Can, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> plays on Saturday games sometimes with no pressure on the ball at all. <laughs> so move everybody five t- five ten yards uh, further up the pitch, and then you pin Lithuania in, and then you get back to what we're saying is move the ball a bit quicker, have your fullbacks nearly as wingers, mm. and have a bit more interchange in in those positions in that final third, and then you eventually break Lithuania down. If one of the goals, if Obenia's goal had stood, all better off. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and you open them up and, and then they have to come out and then their heads drop and then it becomes a much easier game. But mm. while you don't score that first goal, you just have to stick to your principles, continue to move the ball and gradually make your way up the pitch. There was times last night with, with Robinson kind of like thrashing at the ball and, you know, trying to shoot mm. from 30 yards. It's I, just ridiculous. So just, just keep yeah. the ball. But I'll that, say one that, thing. That's that point about yeah. indulging, isn't it? That's yeah. the bit where you wouldn't have done that on Saturday. 
Yeah, he wouldn't no. have done that because he wouldn't have been allowed. Robinson to is quite frustrating. Yeah. That, yeah. Right, actually, yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing, Dan. Pat Finlan is nodding so much of what Paul Curry is saying. I could see a managerial duo. <laughs> like Pat's going to come back into management. People are asking. It was on the mailbag. Why isn't Pat still in management? I think every time Pat's on, we ask. Yeah, him I, I don't get I'll it. Give myself. you the same answer. So don't <laughs> ask me again until you met Paul Curry. It's like you know, meeting. I, I think mind. Pat sometimes gives advice to some younger managers in this league. Potentially, I think he's <laughs> don't sort do of, it. He's doing, no, no, some kind of sanding board figure. We might we might chat about that briefly. I'm just just before we on from this because I'm conscious like it's League of Ireland pod so I want to sort of get back to our to our base but you mentioned like your experiences growing up Paul that it wasn't uh, it wasn't conducive to encouraging that type of play I know you've like you've dipped in and out of it in recent years like you've helped out with Belvedere a bit I know you would have worked maybe closely with Adam Murphy who's at St Pat's now and I know he's more of an energetic player and stuff but do you see it, that it's different at the moment in what, from what you've seen or discussions you've had maybe with people who might be around the underage leagues and stuff in terms of that climate for producing those players yeah I, th- I think it has to be fair I think there's more of an understanding of of actually player development and and the routes that players need to go in you know the structures weren't there when I was when I was younger and that's through no fault mm. of the DDSL clubs they were doing what they could but I was training twice a week and you know the majority of teams that you're playing against um, maybe didn't have a set way of playing you you go back to the League of Ireland underage teams now and to be honest with you I've seen very little over the last 12 18 months okay, I, I yeah. really haven't um, but what you hear and what you see I've seen the bits of Shamrock Rovers they seem to have gotten their structures right and they seem to have an understanding of how it is they want to play the game and I'm, I'm not somebody who says you know you have to get it from the keeper and roll it to the centre half and play out through midfield and through the thirds there's more than way of of playing and that sometimes the best pass is, is a long pass um, I think we've we're making strides towards improving how we how we develop our players but I think it's going to take a long time like the players that I played with when I was growing up was likes of Jeff Hendrick and Connor Howerhin. Um how long is it going to take before we see kind of the the fruits of of the League of Ireland underage systems I don't know well, I, yeah. I, yeah. I I think I think there have been small improvements I think it'll take a long long time um but from my own point of view when I was playing when I was younger I felt it I found it easier going away to the academy teams in the UK mm. uh, just the understanding I felt like I fit more into the system than I did playing in, in in DDSL teams I used to find it very hard playing with the international side because it was it was so different to how I was playing at Belleville. We were very, you know, progressive with the ball. And then when I went into national teams, I found it difficult because the majority of the ball was over my head. Now that was probably something to do with the qualities that I lacked as a player. Mm. Um and now when you go and you maybe look at some of the underage teams, yes, there seems to be a bit more of a system that is consistent throughout the age groups. And can, can you relate to that, Pat, what he's saying actually? Because like, you were you were a diminutive midfielder who played in the League of Ireland when it was a lot of the ball over your head. And you had to... You could put it about a bit as well too, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the game is different, isn't it? The game has, has developed, you know, there's a huge emphasis around building the play up. There's a huge emphasis around pace, you know. So the game, the game, like, I mean, when I, I'm going back a lot, Paul, in relation to schoolboy football, but I, ne- I was never coached as a young player. Never yeah. coached. With brilliant managers, really enthusiastic people and, and had, you know... The, the, the kids are hard to, 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 to make sure that there was obviously football for them and they didn't end up with problems off the pitch you know so but it was never it was never coaching as such it was get a group of boys together and get them to play and develop a team um, so the game the game has changed and we've seen a lot of emphasis around the development of players and, and that's what we need to be at a great power a long way off but we have a lot of work to do Um but it's going in the right direction. And sometimes it's about bravery as well, isn't it? That you've got to encourage your players to play rather than be worrying about whether you win, lose or draw at underage level. You know, so it's trying to make sure that you get the best out of the people who have that real talent, but 
the bit you got to be really careful in. You got you can't overcoach them. You have to nurture that natural. But how, do, how does bring the, that through. how does the technical qualities mainly to kill the ball and be very quick on your feet and does that happen very early? Yeah, like, at start it starts at a really young age where you got you got to work on that. You got to encourage people, you know, the touch and technique. As 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 a footballer is, is the key to it. You see these brilliant players around the world, and you think, how do they get so much space? How do they look so comfortable on the ball? How do they move so quickly? That's how because That's the whole it's point, just second though. nature to them yeah. because they've they've done it from you know being really young players. Where sometimes we see our best young players and we get them into a team, and we we try maybe change, and that's probably where Paul's going. We not change, but sort of fit in, instead of encouraging what they have like saying, a Wesley right, Hoolan for example is like kicking a ball off a wall and just being what he is but like he could turn he didn't have the physical attributes but he had the technical qualities how, yeah. how does a player like that happen then or well I think it, 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 like I think from years ago that probably came from a, a different era of, of being a street football I think them days are gone so we got mm. to find a different way of how, how we develop players and that way is through the system and, and, and bringing them into the system early and, and developing them rather than Rather than trying to overcoach him, or, or, or sometimes I, I feel we look at players and say what he can't do, mm. rather than say, geez, he's really good at that. Mm. So how do we get? Mm. And I think that's where Stephen Kenny is really good. Right. I think that's where he identifies really well. Like Ben Yeah, we look at him, we think, he's playing for Rotherham. He's been a revelation in international football. And you're thinking, how? Because Stephen's identified what he's really good at. Mm. And he's got a link with Robinson that I think this works. He comes short, he moves defenders, and he sees the gaps in behind and he exploits that. So I think that's where Stephen is really, really good as a manager. Jamie McGrath, saying, like, Jamie's a decent player, but when he came into national football, you know, from where he was, he looked really good. Mm. And that, that, I think that's what Stephen has done well at all, like, all the places he's been. Yeah. I think he's doing that exactly now at international level. He's ident- he identifies what people are good at and he encourages that. Where I think sometimes we, we can say, yeah, he's Paul, Paul was a great footballer, but didn't 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 get back, didn't walk, and I'm not being critical of it, but that's <laughs> but that's I was the opposite. I walked hard and got around the pitch. But it's it's about marrying that together and getting the best out of him and me as a team rather than saying what he can't do. Yeah. And I think that's a bit as young players we gotta say, yeah, how do we encourage what they have? How do we develop what they have and make them better at what their natural talent is? Don't coach it out of them. Yeah. That's the key to doing. Paul, you really should have got back. Man. I mean, what, the, like, you know, what, what was going on? You were just up to pitch. I, 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 tried, to sign, your I tried to sign Paul, so it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't all bad. So it certainly wasn't to defend it. <laughs> Where was that? Actually? I had plenty of players around that could defend and just let him get in the ball. At Bowes, I think it was, wasn't it? At it Bowes, was, yeah. yeah. What happened? He made the right choice. Basically, the, the Corries are all Bowes fans. What happened? Yeah. I went to UCD. Um, it was at it was at the time when I, I was toying with the idea of going to Burnley as an eighteen year old. Uh, and I guess the reasoning that I didn't go is I wanted to go to university and I wanted to play first team football and I think Pat Bowes team was yeah, very strong very strong, strong at the time, yeah. Gary Deegan yeah. and Paul Keegan and, and the likes Gary or not, no Gary Deegan wouldn't have been there at the was time. Higgins there at the time was he no no he wouldn't have been yeah really might have came in the following year yeah. um, but we'd, 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 we'd strong but we were probably missing that where and was that's Paul what I'm saying. at that time then Belvo, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah Belvo, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is now like it's a seamless transition from Belvo to the League of Ireland, but then it was more I want to sign a player from Belvo or whatever. No, I, I really good relationship with Belvo yeah. then when I was at, at Shells and and Bowes, really good relationship with people at Belvo. We got a lot of good players out there, you know, and mm. and uh, again a club that has developed their players really well. Mm. Um, even from when I was playing the quarter slam and that team that I played against. Belvoir, you know, fantastic football club. It's like, like the, the like Wesley Hoolan, of course, went mm. went straight from one to the other. It's just, it's, it's obviously they're further mm. back. Because I think the point, and we'll move on in, in a minute. But before you come on, Pat, like we were talking about how 
the underage results in the last week and say the under 17 Ireland team now it's almost that first generation who haven't gone who aren't going to be able to go away with Brexit so you had Zeffi in it and Heffernan but it's primarily all the League of Ireland clubs now and I know quite a few of them would have been at schoolboy clubs but in the next year or two we're going to get more of an answer about what's happening with the League of Ireland. And that's where we need to be really, that's where we yeah. need to be really careful because we, we need to put so much emphasis on that and, and development of it because for, you know, well, up to a period of time, the players, you know, would have come through the Belvos, the Kevins, the Stella Maris, the Cherry Orch, Home Farms, all end teams, the country teams, the schoolboy setups. And they'd have gone at 15, 16, mm. you know, and, and the English clubs would have developed the players for us. Yeah. That emphasis now on us. So that's really important that we get that right because if we don't get that right, we're in serious trouble. Yeah. We've had that help from the English or, or Scottish teams to develop our, our better young players that would have went, went away, say. Now that emphasis is on us to make sure when they get to that 16, 17, 18, which is a huge mm. period in players, young players' career, is how we develop them now and bring them on to that level. So that's where the emphasis is really important at Irish football that we, we make sure them structures are right and we make sure there's enough resources to make sure we're developing. And the coaches are key. The coaches are the key to this is getting the proper coaches into positions to make sure we develop the natural talent. Mm. Yeah, your former player of yours, Jim Crawford, presiding over a win. I texted him you... this morning. He said, make sure to give me a good plug in front of Pat. I love him. <laughs> Basically, there you go. But how does it make you feel to see like, you know, your former players do something like that? There must be a certain... Yeah, it's great. Listen, I, I, I text uh, Jim and Alan last night after the game. Oh, and Alan Reynolds, uh, of course, as well, yeah. Delighted for them because they're two great lads as well and they're good coaches. You know, they, they are, they, they've... Uh, they, they 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 know how to develop players and 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 you know they've been a little bit unlucky this year in that in that team like I mean it was one of the games I think it was Bosnia away I think we might have played Qatar and uh, in a mm. friendly on the same mm. I think there was six players that mm. could have played that night in Bosnia and four or five of them were sitting on the bench and if I was the twenty ones manager I'd be banging Stevens or say listen give me two or three of them at least yeah. and 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 that's something we've got to look at as well as. It wouldn't be great to get an under-21 team through to the finals. Some players don't want to come down, which is the yeah. point that Jim If we got to the finals, would they want to go to the finals? Well, and yeah. I think that's a development of the player as well. That's something we've got to have conversation with a player to say, yeah, listen, by all means, you're, you're in the senior international, but there might be a case where you know you dropped down. And that's, for me, is a development of, the, of a yeah, player going forward as well. So, But look, it's a bigger question, but I was delighted for the two of them, absolutely delighted for the two of them, because they are really, really enthusiastic about the game. You know, they were both enthusiastic as players. I played with Jim and I managed Jim. Um, I brought Rennie in late on in Mike, uh, well, at, at Shells in his career as a player and then obviously worked from at Warford. So, not delighted for both. Just, just thinking, I mean, Johnny has an obsession with young managers in the league. It's one of his things. But I'm thinking a, a lot of these young managers have played for you, right? I'm just thinking Clancy obviously <laughs> played for you at Hibs. O'Donnell, Stephen O'Donnell yeah. played under you. Higgins, you had yeah, a brief time, mad. brief time with Higgins. Bradley, uh, Bradley no, uh, no, no. I brought Stephen into Rovers as as a coach. As a coach, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm aware of that. But I mean, as, a, yeah. as more so as a player. No, but yeah, no, a lot, a lot of central think, midfielders and a lot of uh, people who worked under Pat Finland seems to be the thing. But I know, like, I think Tim would still speak to you and stuff, wouldn't he? Like, yeah, you know, you I'd, would you would yeah, give a bit of advice. Steve where Steve O'Donnell played with me at, at, at Bowes as well. So no, I, listen, I talk to most of them when I can. I'm there if. They, 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 you know, they've all, they, they have all good ideas, and we've seen they're all playing, they're playing the good sides. They play the game in the right way. It's, it's probably the, because as a manager, that's the bit you've got to be individual. That's the way I want to play the game. That's my philosophy. That's how I see the game, and and nobody should really, I won't say influence or change it, but it's the bits outside that I can probably help them with in relation to the management end of it and mm. dealing with some of the, 
some of the crap that goes the, around the, the differences of managing yeah. in the league compared to other leagues yeah, the other absolutely. stuff yeah, yeah absolutely that's the, and that's probably where you can be a little bit of a sounding board to, 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 to the boys to say yeah listen this is how we would have dealt with you know and, well, to, and to, stuff probably not totally related to, to, to players yeah well, well to, to the naked eye then can you see a difference in the philosophy of say Clancy and O'Donnell the, the, the legal firm <laughs> can you can you see okay well I, I'd know that's a Tim Clancy team or I'd know that's Stephen O'Donnell team or I'd know that's a Rory Higgins yeah I, team. I think at the moment you look at you look at both and I think Stevie's team is is set up that you know I think against the bigger side Stevie's team will be better because I think they're, they're probably a bit more defensive and counter-attack where Tim is probably a little bit more and wants to play and wants to be on the front foot all the time so, but again that can be around what you've got as players uh, yeah. what you've got in your squad yeah. rather than a manager's philosophy both of them are only into their clubs so it might take a little bit of time to develop the way they want to play. Huge changes in both of them clubs player-wise, yeah. don't forget. So it yeah. takes a little bit of time. But Yeah. Paul, what have you met in the league thus far this year? We're like seven games in for, for most of the teams or some of the teams. Um, what's your sort of general assessment? I mean, Rovers have obviously dropped more points maybe than people would have anticipated. Yeah, I, I probably suspected that Rovers were going <clears> to, <throat> you know, be, be fast out of the blocks and, and maybe lead from the front and go from there and it's, it's probably been a bit of a hesitant start for Stephen Bradley's team I think he's he's probably not found the recipe just yet between say Byrne, Mandrew, Watts, Tell, O'Neill and maybe that's been <laughs> it's mad he's starting to listen them. Yeah. that's a hell of a law firm that one to be fair <laughs> <laughs> well he's able to play four of them uh, yeah. which, which helps but um I don't know, it, it just hasn't really seemed to click as of yet and, and he's maybe just trying to find the recipe that's going to get the best out of, of those players because they're the, you know, when you get them firing, they're going to win the majority of games at this level because they've got so much at their disposal and, and that's probably surprised me a bit the number of points they've dropped. I think he would have been really disappointed uh, with the late goal in particular against Derry because if you get a point away to Derry and a point away to Dundalk, you maybe see it as, as mm. maybe quite mm. a decent start um, mm. and that's probably one that hurt them and, and then when you flip that around, Derry have done quite well. You know, uh, that those late goals have, have obviously helped them uh, put them at the top of, top of the league and if, and if Rory can add, I always, you know, just look at his squad and obviously Michael Duffy's a massive loss but if, if he can add two or three in the summer, and if they can continue some of the form that they've shown already, they won't be far away because what what we're seeing is it, it's going to be pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, what, what what about that Rovers? Because we talk about the Irish midfield and how you use it. What's your take on the sort of Rovers midfield department? I mean, could they change your system in any way to get more of their creative players in the side? Or, I mean, does it make sense just to stick with the system that's worked for them for so long? Or what's your sort of take? On I, I, I think the reason he plays that system is because he can get more of them in, in the team mm. um, it, it is quite difficult when you got somebody like Danny Mandreo who was it was brilliant for them last year and the year before that Jack was was superb to f to fit them into the one team is quite difficult because they both pick up similar positions and they both want to get on the ball in, in the same sort of areas and, and sometimes what I found is that when I was at Richmond and I was watching them is Jack is dropping so deep to, to collect the ball that when they actually have possession it looks like it's just Rory and Danny Mandreo and then you've got your back five you've Gary O'Neill and Dylan Watts all sitting behind the ball so what I think is if they've struggled to maybe kind of progress up the pitch and actually create chances in that final third I think once they do get that to click and once they do get say I mean Mandreo and Jack are going to play the majority of the games when they get them higher up the pitch creating chances I think they're going to score goals and they're going to win more games um, simply just because they've got you know, more quality than any other team in the league. Mm. Um, I think if they do get that right, I would expect that they would kick on. Uh, and I just think between the others, the Derrys, the Sligos, the Pats, it's all very 
very tight, much, very even. Much, there's, there's not much between those sides, I don't think. Um, Pat, I mean, I would have spoke to you tonight. I think you like the idea of Graham Burke playing mm. through the middle. That's your. I, I think Burke probably their best finisher. I think naturally he, he, he can score goals. I think they're top heavy. I honestly mm. think they've too many in there now because I think it, 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 it can. It, and I've done it as a manager, so it's not. A bit, but I think when you're trying to fit all them players into the team, you're always looking. Gary O'Neill is probably the one that will play in that role. It, for me, Dylan Watts was probably their best midfielder last year. I'm not mm. sure they needed and being uh, Richie Tell come into the. I'm not sure what Richie adds to that to that what they have already. And you, you're talking about Mandrew, Burke, and Jack Bourne. You know, even a tree behind the one might be something to look at. I know Stephen Lewis are playing that box, but I think the way they have what they have at the moment is the top heavy in that midfield mm. area. I also think the wing back position for them is key. Go back to the Ireland game we spoke about the wing backs last night. I think if they can get keep Cavan a fit and um, Andy, Lyons. Andy Lyons on the right I think, seems to have started quite well I think, Andy they're, Lyons. I think yeah. they're the best two in that position Rowland's done really well there as a right, but I think they're natural you know pace wide good delivery of the ball particularly Cavan and what that allows if you've, get, if you've got wing they've had to chop and change that position a little bit it was a bit similar last year for them as well they didn't start brilliantly you know but I just think they're a little bit top heavy in there at the moment and defensively, I'm not sure they're as strong as they were previously. I think that's an area where they would probably look in July to try strengthen up a little bit, you know. Um, I think they've lost one or two key defenders in relation to organisation. Joey, Joey, Joey is a huge player for them yeah. in relation to organising the team, you know. so And listen, the other thing with this is it's very hard to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. It's all right to say, Robert, but to get the, you know, to, to be able to get that out players year in, week in, week out, knowing that you have to win, you have to win. And I had that with some of the teams that the Shells and Bowes teams where you knew you had real quality players, but it's that drive and determination has to come from within the camp as well. So that's a challenge for them players this year. And there is going to be a challenge from Derry. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Derry have started the season really well. Been missing a few players, you know, McElhenney, I'm not sure is that the level he would like yeah. to Duffy's lost Matty Smith hasn't played too yeah. much so they've still got a bit to come back into the team and I think they will look I think if they're looking at their team that centre midfield area for them is probably one where they may look to, to strengthen I think if they could get someone in there they lost on the, le- the left wing back situation he mentioned there like they've been desperately unlucky with Sean Kavanagh Sean Kavanagh's a terrific player Ferruja yeah. I mean like his star was so high and what's the latest do you think there in terms of like where Rovers can kind of get a, an established left back who's going to be fit because that has been an issue for them yeah and Sean Kavanagh naturally fits into that position really well mm. I'd, I'd worry for Sean um, simply because I've, I've been in, in that sort of position. He's had a, a difficult time with his knee and uh, it just seems that anytime he's coming back, he seems to be breaking down and that doesn't bode well. Um, mm. I think once you have, somebody said to me, it's like crashing a car when, when you when you rupture ACL and do damage to your knee, you can fix it up, but it's never quite the same. And it just seems like he's, he's breaking down quite a bit. And I just hope, I hope he can get back fit and playing because he's, a wand of a left foot and, and a special lad as well like, he is absolutely yeah. and when he gets into that final third his deliveries into the mm. box are, are, are the best in the league probably mm. um, with Neil I, I can't put my finger on it with Neil um, he's obviously had issues with his hamstrings and, and that seems to have prevented him from, from playing consistently within the team and I just don't know from a, from a manager's point of view when, when that constantly happens you know you want to try put out the same 11 every week how reliable is Neil's body at this moment in time? I'm, I'm not too sure. I think when he when he is back and when he is fit and he's playing, he's quite a threat because he's so direct and he actually brings energy to that team because if you look at that box midfield, there's not an abundance of pace in the team. So if oh, you I've get seen him, in him there, absolutely like roast good fullbacks in the League of Ireland. He, like, like you don't see in the League of Ireland. Physically, 
he, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't put a better, better specimen together than mm. Neil Farouk because he's so strong, he's so powerful, and, and ironically, so injuries have been the problem. Like then, it, it has been, and for both Kavanaugh and for Neil, uh, you would just hope that they stay fit. But like Liam Scales found himself in that position last year, and that wasn't, you know, Liam mm. Scales wasn't signed by Rovers to play in the left wing back yeah, position. Exactly. He was actually just fit in there, yeah. and he did really well. They've had Daniel Lafferty. It has been a bit of a problem for them. Um, it's not really happened for Barry Cotter this this year either in that position. Uh, you know, Aaron Green's played there as well. I think what you do need from that position is you need the legs. You, you, you really need the legs because the rest of the team are, are almost like a magnet to the ball. They want to come towards yeah, it. You, yeah, need, yeah. you need people who are going to run in behind. If you're going to play Berkey as a nine, he's not blessed with pace either. He wants the ball to feet. Um, so those positions are, are vitally important and in a weird way the fullbacks and, and wingbacks are almost controlling the game at this moment in time because they give you that width and they give the space for the others to go create and go play in um, but just bringing it back I, I just I, I would really hope for Sean Kavanagh's point of view just because he's such a talented footballer that he does get back fit and that Neil can stay fit for a period of time because at this moment in time if you're just to look at it on paper and the minutes that they put in it is a bit of a problem. It's balance as well to the team, isn't it? It's a left-sided player on the left. They've had lines as played there this year already, and it just takes that little bit of balance away. Where Paul is right, if you can stretch the pitch, it opens that space in the middle of the pitch for the players that they want to be in really dangerous areas. And the point of Jack Bourne is important that he, he, Jack wants to be on the ball, but he's got to he's got to discipline himself to say where is he going to hold teams. If I was playing against Jack and he's getting it off the back tree, you're happy. Absolutely, keep him said, pushing him up there. there. Yeah. Leave him alone. Don't follow him. And just leave him there. When he gets it in behind you as a midfielder, thinking, right, we're in trouble here because you can see a pass. We're talking about the international level, and he can score goals, he can strike the ball. So it's getting that balance on the limbo. But Rovers had this last year, I thought, at the start of the mm. season. They didn't know what their best team was and scared around it a little bit and then found a, a system. So, but they have, they have real quality as well. The one thing they don't have, Paul's alluded to, is, is pace. That's the one thing they, they don't have. They're found they, out badly. For Elgin, for Elgin's not in the team. Yeah. You know, that's... that's They're going to need that where, in Europe because yeah, that's, that's a big that's commodity. Where, that's where, you know, they may come a little bit of a cropper. We've talked about um, younger manager a lot, but I think we sometimes get grief from Sligo Rovers fans. We don't talk Absolutely. about them enough and you've got Bucko still doing it, you know. And, and I'm delighted because he's, 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 he's test with so it's all managers, Johnny. You're not a manager. You're giving it up yourself. At 53 now, so... You're 53, is it? Yeah, yeah. Like Bucko is sort of... We've got all these young managers... And it's great to see. Um, <laughs> You're saying this although, with gritted teeth now. No, uh, but although I, I, I still have a gripe around pro license and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but to see Liam do what he's doing, and don't forget, he's lost he lost three big players this mm. year for them in there in key positions in, in the team. You know, you take your goals out of any team, you, you're gonna, you, you should struggle, but his recruitment has been good. And Liam plays the game. He wants to play the game in a certain way and they're always good to watch. So he's done a fantastic well, job. And a great club as well. Yeah. Mm. Which is, you know, it's a club that's really, they've even more... Uh, talk around development of, of the showground so it is a fantastic when, football when, when Keane came in I have to say like it didn't really I couldn't even remember him in the League of Ireland spell but like Buckley obviously knew him from his time before I think at Pats yeah, or whatever exactly. Pats, yeah. so I do, he just seems to have a proper eye for he, he knows what a footballer is Keane is like could well finish top score this season the way he's going yeah, like he obviously he was at Shells as well, and then he went across to, across to Scotland, and he did okay. He didn't probably didn't set the world on fire, but he's come back and he's scoring goals. And uh, like you say, he's, it's 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 a good eye for a player, isn't it? That Liam knows, and he's obviously got a network of people that, that he trusts that work mm. for him. So he's brought in, like I said, they lost big big players for them, and they've been able to replace them really well, which sometimes doesn't happen for a period of time. So, and they're up there, where the squad's big enough. 
to maintain that over a period of time, I'm not too sure. Even mm. with the recruitment though, like Bucko's been playing that system, hasn't he, for <laughs> 20 years, 10, yeah. 15, yeah. yeah, 20 years. So he knows the type of personnel that he needs to, to fit mm. into it. And his recruitment has been really good. I, I genuinely think like he brought a, play, a, a passing style into the League of Ireland before anyone did. And I, I, I genuinely think that. I remember when he took over from, was it the Pat Dolan era? Pats were always on the ground, always on the ground. He never really changed from that. And by the end, they were probably a bit fed up of Liam Buckley at Pats. And look what he's done at Sligo. Like I know with the young managers thing we do take the piss a bit about it but like there is a bit of an ageist attitude to older managers as well where it's like oh the game is passing them by or whatever look look at what Buckley's doing at Sligo yeah I mean my debut was against was against Sporting Fingal uh, in the first division when Bucco was there and, and that Sporting Fingal team had, had some really good players in it think back to like Shawnee Williams I was just thinking of him yeah what a lovely what a footballer, footballer like, I went yeah. with the Irish 23s with, with Shawnee and what a left foot yeah and what a career he's had you know mm. it's probably one of them where he, you know, he's probably not in the limelight every week, but, you know, really good career. He's a proper career. MK Don. He probably got Millwall. capped more for Ireland if he'd started later. If he was, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if he was 23, 24 now, maybe, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and and then he replicated that. I very nearly signed for Bucko Pats when he was there. He was probably the type of manager that I would have done well under. He's a real kind of father figure. He put the arm As opposed to Pat, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, but it is, like, a completely different manager to me, but that's football. That's, that's yeah. the way it works. Like, you know, um, like Liam was a hero of mine as a player. He's a brilliant player as well. Mm. I forget. What was he like as a player? He was a great player. He, yeah. was, he was one of the best head of the balls I ever seen. He wasn't not the. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that was the first of, thing. Yeah. Was, him and Alan Campbell were absolutely brilliant partnership at Rovers, and he was a, he was a very very good player. But I'd agree with you. He's played the game the same way for a long period of time. Never changes the way. And even when he came under a bit of pressure last year at Sligo, he never deviated mm. from that. He just he just kept going. And they'd have found any consistency last year. They'd have put in a challenge as well. So I think that's the key for them they, to they, find that consistency. They look Paul, like your theory is your League of Ireland career is just you turning down managers. Did you ever actually sign for anyone? <laughs> there was reason you'd be hard it man to tie down in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'll tell you what, it'd be a good one though. Where were you anyway. actually going last night? Like, why were you leaving early? It wasn't to work. Um, do, you, do you look, I've said this a few times, do you look back on your career and. Um, think like you know if i if i did this if i did that it might have gone differently you know because people people might forget how good you could have been if that makes sense yeah i mean naturally enough you look back and you and you think of of what you could have done better what could have been there's definitely moments that i look back on and i think i could have done more and there's probably elements of my game and pat mentioned it there defensively i wasn't extremely strong but i could have done things maybe physically in particular to help me because the championship was a bloody physical league I remember going shoulder to shoulder with Kelvin Atuhu in Ewood Park and I must have landed about 10 yards away from, from mm. where I started Was that um, gym work or? Yeah I, I mean I never really saw a gym until I was 17 18 years of age out in UCD and, and sometimes at that point it, it's not too late Sorry Paul for is it, but that's that's the bit I'm talking about Troy Parrott mm. Is, mm. is that bit not 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 that he's not good at certain things but it's realizing that you have to work really really hard to get to the level that he should be at with his natural ability and and paul's alluded to that it's not it's not that it, it's hard to describe what it is but it's that extra bit to say how do i get me how do i make me paul's a really good footballer it's how do you make yourself how do you make yourself better how do you continue In every way. To yes and yeah. that's the bit i'm talking about troy that i'm hoping listening to him that that's 
sorry for interrupting Paul, that that's the penny dropped that he needs to work harder. He's one that needs to physically be better yeah. as well in that position yeah. he plays mm. in. Yeah. So get yourself in that end of it and make sure you don't just think, well, I've got natural ability, can I play and it'll get me over all sorts. It only gets it, it only come gets up you so against far. certain players yeah. and you go wallop and you think, oh, <clears> right, <throat> I'm a long way off. So you're hoping he's, what's he, 20, Troy Parrott? Mm. Great just gone 20. Well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. The, the penny's dropped and he now, now realises I've got to really walk my boiler off to make sure I get to the level that my talent deserves. But otherwise, you'll be talking about it in 10 years' time and it's gone past you. It, so I, I think I'm going up to watch UCD on Friday. They're playing Dundalk and um, you could probably relate to the situation that a lot of the UCD players are in at the moment. It does look like it's a, it's a decent crop of players, but it also looks like a lot of them are on the last lap. You know, you've got Colin Whelan, who's seems quite likely to leave in the summer. Carrigan's got a lot of attention. Um, and there'd be a couple of others. I think a couple of one or two of the younger defenders seem to be attracting some attention. Do you, you know, you must know what it's like to be a UCD player in the Premier Division. Like I saw they put out something, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but like telling if, if, you know, fans to buy away tickets for Oriel on Friday, and you know it's, it's going to be a <laughs> it's going to be a small section, you know, but. There must be. I mean, you're still very good mates with a lot of your UCD teammates. You must have took took a lot from your time there too. You you know what those lads are experiencing now. Going to play the best teams every week is probably good crack as well in yeah, its own way. Absolutely. I mean, you have to take UCD for what it is, um, mm. and not expect anything more mm. than that. It's a it's a great talent pool for for the league and and for players to go there and develop and, and play with a certain sense of freedom. You know, you don't have the pressures of of you know two, three, four thousand people on mm. your back every week. You can make mistakes and afford to make mistakes and probably know that you're going to get another opportunity in the next week. Um, and they, they were fundamental for me because I needed to play with freedom at that stage in my career. And you can see that even with the current crop that when they do play with freedom, they can be a threat to pretty much any team in, in the league. There's going to be people who have their critics and, and maybe they're right in certain senses that they don't bring the same sort of atmosphere. They don't bring this the same sort of, um, you know, nostalgia that other teams do. But mm. for, for the players, I, I think it's it's a perfect place to one, secure your future with, with a degree, if that's the route you want to go down, and two, at the same time, gar, you know, garner more of an understanding of the game because you learn by playing matches. You learn by playing against better players. You learn by playing particularly in the Premier Division in this country. And I think naturally enough, when that crop comes to an end, the better players will move on. Uh, mm. I, I've been reading players for Kerrigan. I think Kerrigan's got a really good he chance. He seems to be the one that people are honing in on even more so than Whelan, I think. from yeah. I know it's not fair to just put those two against each other as other players. But If Whelan continues to score goals like you saw with Georgie Kelly, Georgie probably moved a little later than most to the, to the mm. UK. If, if Whelan continued to score goals, there will naturally enough be interest in him from either one of the teams here or from abroad. But I, I just... The, Kerrigan physically looks like he, he could be able to support himself as he moves up through the ladder. And I think it's probably... Yeah. Absolutely. I found yeah. it really difficult physically the yeah. more I moved up the ladder. And you have to remember when you go to the UK, it's often Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. If you're not able to maintain that and sustain, sustain it, you're out of the team, you give somebody else an opportunity, you can quickly come down the pecking order. So mm. physically, he seems to be, you know, a strong boy. Um, and I think that will give him a, a good a good chance as he progresses up. But listen, UCD is is what it is. They'll be struggling. They'll be battling for relegation. But what you will see, particularly over the next 12, 24, 36 months, is some of those players in their career and how, how they advance 
whether it be here or abroad. Mm. I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't know if you've seen much of UCD, but... I haven't seen yeah. much of them this season, though. Yeah, no, general assessment of them. I'm trying to actually think, so hang on. So Kevin Doherty's played for you as well, right? <laughs> I'm working for you. Andy Mider, Andy Mider probably never did, no? No. And who else have we got in the Premier Division that we've missed? You've Ollie Horgan. Ollie Horgan. <laughs> There's no <laughs> way Ollie Horgan's played. A few good, good noise for Ollie, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good collection. Um, um, I don't think Damien Dove's played, played Unreal, but... Michelle. Well, Damien Duff played under me at Rovers. Yeah. Oh, did he? Of course yeah. he did. Jeez, Rovers, there you yeah. go. Oh, bloody hell, what so the hell? Of course he Most of the managers... Yeah, so you had McPhail and Duff sort of... Yeah. Uh, well, Stephen was, yeah, was a player when I yeah, came into yeah, Rovers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, My God. Damien, yeah, I brought Damien in, yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is because we had Ollie Cattle in last week and... We asked him what club he's, you know, what club he looks out for first, and he says shells. And we had someone else in recently as well. It's amazing how a lot of the people who were at shells in your time, lads who played elsewhere, played for other clubs, they they retained this affection for shells. And I think you have a bit of that too. You've yeah, been around like the place. I was ten years at shells as a player and as as a as a manager. So you get you get nine or ten years, I think it was. You get a feeling for a place when you've been there that long, you know. And we had, we we had success as a player and success as a manager. So you're obviously go back to, to, to good times as in your career. So, um, and it's good to see them back up. I have to be honest, it's brilliant to see them back up and they need to, they need to make sure they stay back up. Like, yeah, what's your key. sense of them? Because you probably covered the first game, did you? I did. I've, and, yeah. seen them, I've seen them a couple of times this year. Um, I thought they were a little bit unlucky against Pats. Um, mm. I thought, you know, they, they, they started the game well. A couple of chances that at that level you've got to really take. I thought Moylan was really good and he's out injured at the moment. Um, and then I seen him again, and they they disappointed me a little bit. You know, I think Damon's he, he he's he's got a dilemma at the moment. He's he's again huge changes to the team, um, a lot of players in a, a different way of playing as well. So it's 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 I think I think one of the issues with with shells is that people see Damien in there and they think Damien and Shell should go to you know a different where yeah. I think. You know, staying in the league for shells this year. That, so, that would be acceptable. I, oh, yeah. absolutely. For me, it's acceptable because then you can build. It's about building. Like Damon's made huge a raft of changes to his squad. Now, now he's going to have to probably bring in a few more when you get into July. So it's just important that they stay in. They stay in that division, and they got a real tough run of fixtures coming up. And uh, but they're 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 a plus to the division. I know it's another Dublin team, but you see even the gates, the crowds at the moment is really good. Um, and obviously they're 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 looking to stay in Tolka, which would be you know would which be, is a campaign I'm sure you're on board with, yeah. Yeah, listen, it, it's it's I'd love to see them stay in Tolka, but I also understand that's that's a big ask in mm. relation to finances and okay, resources yeah, and yeah. how you get it right. So it's balancing that what's good for the club and what's right for the club. But absolutely, Tolka has has been it's been so special to me, but a lot of players as well and supporters around the country would have fond memories of it. So you don't have seen Milltown go. Yeah, you yeah, know, and, and that you, you don't want to see things like that happen, you know. Daily Mount could have been gone. Yeah, as well, Daily Mount could have went. So we'd like to see Daily Mount and Tolka develop. Whether that happens, we we won't know. Brings me on to my next question. So Bowes, Dundalk, and Shelburne have won in twenty games. They've won three games, right? Which is quite mad. Bowes for me are the one that the murmurs aren't really great about Bowes at the moment. I don't know what you make, but Dawson Devoy was an unused uh, sub, I think, for the 21s. His form for Bowes seems to be patchy at best. He's been taken off in games. Um, they obviously went to UCD, got a 1-0 up, promises having a good season, but didn't win the game. What are you hearing, Pat, or what, what, what do you know of Bowes this season? I think, again, it's, it's a balance of the team. Um, you know, I think defensively, Bowes are a little bit short this year. I think they've lost over a period of time. Mm. They've lost some key defenders, two fullbacks. So it's hard to replace players. And Buckley as well. 
Yeah, and it, and it may need a little change to the system for Bowers to find mm. a find a, dile- or a, a, a form that, that suits what they have as players. You know, do they go and change the system a little bit to to to, to try to get them a little bit more stability in their relation to the way they're played? They're a little bit open and vulnerable at the moment, you know, and they haven't found that real balance to their team. But again, another team I think started slow last year and developed over a period of time. Um, listen, the, the, the Keith's done a, a fantastic job, and yet to, to continue to do that every year where mm. you're losing your best players is, has to be soul destroying. And again, Bowes as a club we know have, are doing amazing things off the pitch, but they've got to be careful. <laughs> got to be careful that it doesn't come into we're no. brilliant off the pitch, but on it, where, mm, you know, no, I, it's I, got I, to be I a real, and, saying, and, yeah. and that's not being overcritical because, again, I spent a good bit of time there and I really like the players, good people there, and they've done wonders off the pitch, absolute wonders in, in what they have. But make sure you don't take your eye off the ball on the pitch because the, te- the team needs a little bit of strength at the moment, I think. Yeah, I fully agree with Pat. I, I think from a, from a playing point of view, you know, when you take Georgie Kelly's goals out of any team, it's going to hurt and it's going to take mm. a bit of time to to transition into into maybe a different style of playing. He was very much their focal point. They were very much, and they have been over down the last number of years, is getting the ball wide and, and, and you know, scoring goals from wide areas. Um they've been slow starters over the last number of years. Can they grow into it? I think it's going to be more difficult for them this year. It, it's a but, strange at, but at the same time, I don't think Keith Long should come under any pressure. No, no. I, I, it's I, wild. It's a penalty shootout away from winning an FA yeah, right. Cup. But yeah. there's a funny thing with Bowes. They've lost Buckley. They don't have any proper defensive midfielder. And it's almost like they've compensated by bringing like, attacking players back into more restrained positions. There's just something not a bit, bit odd about Bowes this season. I don't know what it is. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe a tweak to the way they play, mm. to the system they play may suit what they have as players like like I, again a book came into the i brought book into the again a bit another belva boy and and what book gave you he set a tempo for bows you know yeah. he, he said he got after teams and he yeah. set a tempo Derek penders a huge loss to them as well the two fullbacks mm. so they've the big change over the players but i just think maybe look at it and what they have at the moment again devoy is he is he that type of player that drops in a bit deeper i'm not sure maybe higher up the pitch we've, so, so we're looking at this week's fixtures yeah and, and I, I think that the Derry game dan both Derry is probably both Derry on friday is, is probably one of the more interesting games do we have time to ask the lads about Derry? because even from the perspective well we've, we've in fairness pat has spoken yeah. about Derry, and they've both spoken about Derry. to be fair they so, have to be fair uh, yeah unless, I, I, I think uh, we're, we're probably maybe you want to be asked about Derry. No, i think we're, pro- <laughs> we're probably not giving them quite enough credit for the start they made. yeah listen there's a long there's a long way to go in the season mm. but this is a you know it's a big weekend for them because they have their back game uh, against UCD mm. on Monday as well so sorry we've got Bose Derry on Friday Dundalk UCD as mentioned previously St. Pat's against Drada because we've got St. Pat's Dundalk on Friday week so Kev Doherty been, versus Tim Clancy yeah, yeah, and, and Gary Deegan obviously against yeah there's a lot of well listen yeah. there's a lot in the Pat's Drada there's a lot and a lot in Pat's Dundalk yeah. we'll get to that next week both so, managers reassured me this week it wasn't a grudge match and in fairness it didn't <laughs> I don't think there's that. any grudge there's, no, yeah, there's no grudge no. we tried, tried to get both them on but then we had to go for Pat and Paul instead. <laughs> you didn't tell me you're trying to get either of them on. Yeah, yeah, no, you no need to joy. communicate with me a little bit better. Um, Sligo Rovers against Shells on Friday. Like a married couple over yeah, here. Yeah, a really badly married couple. Um, this is clearly for money. I'm not sure who's got it though. Uh, Sligo Rovers, Shells. Starts off with nothing and half of it left, you know. Um, Sligo Shells, which was brought forward controversially for some Shells fans who booked a trip to Sligo. Finn Harps and Shamrock Rovers then on Monday. As I mentioned, you have the back fixture, UCD and Derry rescheduled and also the Finn Harps and Drada, the rescheduled game from the opening night. Johnny, first division fixtures. At Lone Town, Bray Wanderers, Galway United, Cove Ramblers, Watford, Longford Town, and Wexford, Cork City. Uh, and they're the, all taking place on Friday. 
Yeah, so it's an interesting round of fixture. I think I think we're done. I think, lads, thanks for having you in. Uh, thanks very much for coming in. Actually, before you go, what's your general take? Because you're obviously involved in a pretty competitive title race at the moment up in the North Path. Mm. What's your take on? I don't know it's which where the leagues are at, but like, what's your been your, your opinion on the league so far this season? Because it's a great buzz up the north as well. Yeah, our, our league up the north at the moment is is really strong, competitive. Uh, I'd love to be about ten points ahead, but we're not mm. unfortunately. And uh, you've got Cliftonville have been absolutely fantastic. They're still sort of part time club, so you have to give them huge credit. They're on a brilliant run of results. Glen Torren, um, again another big club, you know, and and spending. Decent money and learn as well. Colrain have fallen off a little bit this year. Crusaders come back into so it's a competitive. There's, there's four, that top six is really really competitive. Now we split into the top six, so we play the five mm. teams behind us at the moment. Our next two games are away to Clifton, La Hunt, to Glen Torren, so they're huge. huge Great games, games. Yeah, yeah, huge it's, games. There's so, something in there. Yeah, no, it's it's the yeah. league. The league is strong. Crowds are up, you know, so it, it it's fairly healthy at the moment, and it's similar here, isn't it? The crowds have been great in the League of Ireland at at the moment. You're hoping that continues that early season people come so you want them to stay the one the one complaint and uh, that the pitches are terrible yeah the pitches are absolutely shocking and there's no excuse for it. i don't care what anybody tells me you go to tala and you look at the pitch and it's like a billiard table and i've gone i've seen the bows ucd game which was daily mount talca pitches have Sorry, been like, well, I saw the women's, women's game for, for the women's game oh my god there's no excuse for that. And I don't, no. I don't, I, if, but, you, but, if you're trying to develop your game and your league you're asking the players to go out. That's the main part. I listen to license and I'm involved in license, club license. No one's come in. They come in and look at many mm. showers you have, toilets, whatever. Does anybody come in and say, that's what we're trying to entice people in to watch football? I've always said, yeah, people always talk about like pooling money from Europe and stuff like that. But I actually think there should be some kind of, now it's up to clubs' responsibility as well. But I mean, pitch maintenance is something that I think even collectively, because some clubs might be having issues, their council Yeah, but, that, but runs, that's what I'm saying. If you look at Tala, yeah. which is a council yeah. home pitch and, and Daily Mountain and Talca are now under that room. Yeah, like it's very fair. There's no excuses. Well, is, yeah. is it the usual south side, north side yeah. Yeah. debate? But the, the Daily Mountain and Talca are terrible. And yeah. I'm not criticizing bows and shells, but they, is Talca still terrible? And when I speak, it, yeah, Talca is poor. It hasn't Talca been good this season. Mm. And when I speak, ah, oh, it'll be great. And when the sun comes out and then six, <laughs> like start the six season, games in. trying to keep people in. If you into go to the, the game at Longford, in Longford Friday, you know within ten seconds this is not going to be a spectacle. You just know. And I'm, again, I'm sympathetic towards groundsmen. I, I, and yeah, you absolutely. know, I, they have a difficult job. Resources, climate change, resources. a lot of rain, a lot of like drought. Sure blah blah blah. Sure blah. you knew wasn't not, nothing was going to happen. That's why you took your eyes off the game, even though you were. Well, at least I stayed stay to the end. I wonder the though, end. will we ever see the all? <laughs> will we ever see? Uh, where's the is, where's the All Ireland League debate, Pat? Like yeah. you know, because this is. I, I'm not trying to like. You're trying to get me into you, trouble, and well, all, uh, all the blue men up there. I'm not, uh, but, but I mean, even more cross border competitions or whatever. Because I don't know. In a way, the fact that both well, leagues have an upturn does it make it less likely? No, I then? think I think of you know where I stand. I know I've said this before, and um, and this is a personal opinion, not a club uh, opinion. I'd love to see the development of whether it's a league or a cross border competition. One of the big issues that we're trying to fit in this United Union Cup, and in fairness to United Union, they've put serious money behind mm. that and, and, and give them great credit. And they've also done community work with both ourselves and Cole Ryan. They've done community work with Shells and Pats as well. So, or with uh, Rovers and Pats, should I say. But we can't fit the game in. It's it was due to be played yeah. at the end of, of the League of Ireland season and Rovers and Pats obviously were you know going for, for, for titles and cup finals. And now we're at the stage where where do you fit it in now that we're in a in a in a shake up for a late title. So it's a difficult one to fit in at the moment. So I feel sorry for the people at United mm. because they've been really good and, and really inclusive and want to develop mm. it. 
Um, I still think it should have been a one-off game, league winners against league winners in in, in either league, and I think maybe that's the starting point. Uh, in to, to I, I think a very fundamental question here, like is summer football at all on the horizon up north? It's still, a, yeah, it's still. A, a, I think there will be a major discussion around it in the next year. It, it, it's okay. again, it's it's very very. Uh, it's it's a difficult one because there'll be a lot of people that would be traditionalists and want to be. Yeah, and I can see are. that. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, and it's and it's, Johnny. It, all these things are, you know, even with the all, it's all about resources and finances. If you put mm. enough money in front of that's people, been your consistent change, point. Yeah, you will yeah, change yeah, yeah. the way they they see. There's no doubt that summer football has developed the League of Ireland in relation to how the game is being played. Although I'm going back about pitches again, but you know what they'll say in the north is the league is brilliant at the moment. Why change it? Yeah, so you, yeah, there's, there's yeah. arguments to and for. Yeah. Okay, I think we're done. We're going to discuss Paul tying down Paul Curry a little bit more off air. We might have a special director's cut of that this next in a, week. In a love sense or in a well, football sense? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Like, why did he leave the game? I mean, you left like you basically <laughs> left six minutes early. Everything happened in injury. <laughs> Missed time. that X-rated content from Troy Park. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. X-rated content later on, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> that was in association with uh, Future Ticketing, Porterhouse Brew, Collar and Cuff, um, and that was Yellow Eye Central Pod. I think Pat Finland's intrigued about Paul Curry's love life now. We're we're done, we're done, we're Even done. Even if uh, maybe not managerial duo. <laughs> Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>